Justin. I'll use this one. Good morning. How are we doing? Maria, um, the name of the church is Harmony Baptist Church. Baptist. That was a, that was a little too upbeat. Oh my goodness. I think I think I saw some of you guys dancing out here. For a second, I thought we'd gotten Pentecostal up in this house, and I was like, whoa, whoa. Let's calm down, people. Okay. Okay. Just kidding. It, it, it is okay to have fun. That was a good song. Good song. I was dancing back there. You need to pray for James. His poor eyes hurt after watching me bust a few moves. <laughs> Don't be a hater. Jealous. Just because you ain't got rhythm. All right, let me go over just a couple announcements before we get into the uh, word this morning. Um, one, this Wednesday... Uh, we will be continuing our VBS decorations. As you can see, we started yesterday. Uh, so Wednesday night, we will still have at 6.30 the um, ESL class. And then, uh, are you still doing choir, Maria? The stuff choir. And then um, at, also at 6.30, we'll, all the rest of the classes will start decorating. Uh, so if you'll meet us in the fellowship hall, we have a few more posters and decorations to get ready. Uh, we'll kind of figure out where we land, and then we'll set the rest of the plan before now, uh, between now and July 16th when Vacation Bible School happens. We do ask you to be talking about Vacation Bible School with neighbors, friends, family. Um, if you've got little ones uh, who are going to come or you know little ones who might attend, tell them they can go to our website, harmonychurchsa.org. Uh, That's harmonychurchsa.org. And on there they can fill out the registration form. Uh, that way we can really get planned on crafts, food, all those good things. Um, also, we have upcoming this Saturday, uh, Women's Craft Day at 10 to 1, right? 10 to 1, got that right? All right, so 10 to 1, uh, ladies, if you want to come out, just be a great time of fellowship, a uh, great time to, to learn skills or share skills that you already have, uh, and just another way for us to fellowship and kind of give back. Um, on a more somber note, um, Sylvia Gonzalez from our Spanish service, her son uh, Joseph passed away this past week. Uh, he was 35 years old. He leaves behind uh, wife and kids. And uh, today at uh, uh, Castle Ridge Mortuary from, I believe it's from 4 to 9, uh, they'll be having visitation, and then tomorrow there will be the funeral service uh, at 10 a.m. Uh, so if, if you can make it out to share your, your respect and your love, great. If not, just be praying for her and um, be praying for his family. Uh, very tough time. Uh, one of those ones where there's a lot of questions and, and uh, understanding what God's will is in these kind of moments. So be praying for her and uh, be praying for that family. All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to First Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter uh, throughout this series. And so last week, basically, I started uh, the introduction to this series that we're starting called The Gift of Suffering. And, and really what we talked about as we looked at the gift of suffering is, is you and I raised in the world, and especially raised in American culture, we don't have the right context when it comes to suffering. For most of us in our culture, our goals and our hopes are to be comfortable, to be at ease, to have wealth, those are the things that we are striving for and moving towards. And so for us, whenever we're on that journey, that's the goal of our lives. When we hit a moment of great suffering, we feel like it's the worst thing in the entire world. Not only because does it, does it in that moment present pain, but it ultimately is stopping us from reaching our ultimate goals. 
And so for many of us, when we get into moments of suffering, all we can pray for is, God, please make this end. Please, Lord, stop this now. And what we often miss is, is those times of suffering are actually a gift that allow us to be reshaped, to allow us to come closer to God. And ultimately, if we will be faithful with him, he will lead us through those moments to our greatest victories. And so as Christians, we are called to be different. And one of the greatest places that we can show how different we are is in the moments of suffering. And so we outlined last week what we call the key to the series, the three verses that I, I want you kind of taking to heart. These are the three verses I hope you memorize, you put in your heart. These get in your, your toolbox, so to speak, so that from here on out as you deal with things in life and you have these moments hit, you'll be able to go, you know what? I remember these verses. I remember God's word leading me to his place and his peace. And so the three things we talked about are one, 2 Timothy 3.12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So one, expect suffering. This American mindset of pursuing comfort and ease, and if you're a good person and if you do well, that you will have comfort and ease, that is a lie. It's an unbelievable lie. Nowhere within the word of God do you see God promise that we won't run into persecution, to trials, and to suffering. In fact, everywhere you look, he is talking about these moments that will come up in our lives and how are we supposed to deal with them. And so the biggest thing that we have to start with is that we start with the mindset that I expect suffering will happen in my life. I think I told you last week, right? It's like being a boxer. A boxer doesn't get surprised by getting punched in the face. They're a boxer. That's what happens. So when they get hit, it's not shocking to them. It doesn't make them fall to their knees. It doesn't make them give up. They go, I knew this was coming. I've prepared for this. I've trained for this. I was watching it, and I'm ready to handle it. And so the biggest thing that we first have to set in our minds is this expectation that at some point, suffering will come our way. It should not be a surprise to us. The second thing we realize is, is that we are equipped for suffering. And uniquely so. Not just as human beings, but as the children and as the people of God, you and I are equipped to face suffering in a completely different way. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so what's God saying? God's saying, I know that suffering will come your way. I know that persecution and trials are in your future. And so, my children, I have given you what you need to be victorious in those moments. And brothers and sisters, I always think it's, it's so profound to think of this, that God doesn't wait till you hit those moments of suffering to figure out what you're going to need. Right? When you, when you hit bad times, when you hit tough times, when you hit moments of darkness, God's not up there going, oh, gee, let me figure this one out. What are they going to need to get through this? You know, give, give me a few months here while I figure out what I'm going to need to provide you. God has known every single day that you would face before you ever set foot on this earth. And he has already set aside everything you need to be victorious in those moments. He's not caught off guard. He is ready and prepared for what you are going through. So we expect suffering. We know we're equipped 
for suffering. And thirdly, what we realize is there is purpose in our suffering. Suffering is not all your hopes and dreams and the progress of your life coming to a standstill. In fact, often what the God, Word of God will frame for us is that where we grow the most, where we are shaped the most, where we become the most like Him often happens in the moments of suffering. In fact, I challenge you to go through the Word of God and show me the heroes of the faith that are the people you look up to and go, man, I wish I was like that. I wish I had that faith. I wish I had that power. I wish I had that patience. You point me to the hero of faith in the Bible who didn't come through massive times of suffering in their lives. I can't name one for you. Often it seems that the prerequisite to doing wonderful things in your life is that you have gone through those painful and dark moments because it's there that you are taught that you need God and how to rely on Him. And so as Christians, I want us to have this framework where we go, you know what? I am not going to be surprised by suffering. I'm not going to be afraid of suffering because I know I'm equipped for it. And third, my prayer won't just be that it ends. But that in the midst of the suffering, I will learn and become what my God needs me to learn and to become. That there will be great things accomplished in that suffering. And so that's the overall mindset we want to have as we approach 1 Peter. So go ahead and flip with me. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we are going to talk about this framework of suffering and how it relates to what we go through. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. I always, you know, I encourage you, this is just a side note, but we tend to skip over these introductions to these letters so often. There's so much purpose in those. There's so much time taken for Peter to remind these people who they are who they serve and where they sit before he even gets into the meat of it. And brothers and sisters, I think there's, there's a lesson to be learned in that. Before you look at anything in your life, remember who you are. You are a child of God. You are a handcrafted masterpiece that God put together, that God breathed life into, that God's Holy Spirit resides in. You're not just another human being. You are the one and the only you who has a purpose that God has made for you. Have that context in everything that you face. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so I want you to pause there and understand something that you and I need to truly grasp. And that thing that I want you to grasp is this. We often miss that our hope is directly tied to these times of suffering. 
we miss this sometimes. But when you think through your own life, the moments that give you the most confidence, the moments that give you the most hope that you can be victorious, the moments that help you have that confidence you can overcome the current obstacle, they're always the other times in your life where you've suffered. Right, think, like, do we ever go watch a movie or read a book and get inspired when the story is they had a really good life and nothing bad ever happened? Right? Like, when you go watch an inspiring film, is that how the story goes? Perfect person, really great life, no problems, end of movie. Man, that was amazing. I'm so inspired right now. No. It, it's, it doesn't intrigue us. It doesn't inspire us. It doesn't speak to our hearts. It doesn't speak to our spirits. There's so many stories and movies and books that are all about what? Overcoming something. How people overcome. That's what moves us. That's what speaks to us. And so brothers and sisters, what we need to realize is, is that often the greatest victories of our life, the only way they ever happened, was by the appearance of suffering and obstacles appearing first. And so often what we've got to remind ourselves is, is that when suffering starts, we should realize that we are sitting at the beginning of, hopefully, one of the greatest stories of our lives. Instead of looking at this and going, oh my goodness, this is going to be a terrible chapter. Instead, we should be sitting there going, you know what? This is the start of a story we're going to tell for years. This is the start of a chapter in my life that we're going to remember for the rest of my time here on this earth because it's going to be about how God helped me overcome what seemed to be insurmountable. I mean, even think through Scripture. The stories that we go back to, the stories that we relate to, the symbols that we put on our walls, that cross never meant anything near hope or life until Jesus Christ overcome that torture, that death, and that suffering. Your greatest hope only comes from these moments of suffering. And so we need to understand that these things are intricately linked together and you can't just pull them apart. And why I want you to take this home, brothers and sisters, is, is that a lot of times this is what you and I try to do as Christians. We try to buffet Christians. Right? We show up, we look at everything God has to offer, and we're like, I want that, that, and that. But I don't want any of this. I don't want any of that. That's not my flavor. That's not how God works. You cannot be praying in your life to be a more patient person and God not throw things in your life that are going to make you be patient. Like, I'll just be honest with you. I don't pray to be more patient anymore. Because what I can guarantee you is when I pray to be more patient, do you know what God's going to give me? Opportunities to be more patient. And what I've learned is there's enough of those already I don't need to ask for more. Do not I need to ask for any more of those. But you and I, we often are going to God with this wish list of things going, I want this, and 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 I want this. And then we get upset when he starts doing the things necessary to make those things happen in our lives. Like, I'll be honest, I remember having this conversation when I came to this church. I remember sitting with the, the, the church uh, hiring committee and, and talking about the things that we wanted to change if, if we came here and, and the culture that they wanted to see shift and the things that they wanted to achieve. And the, the first question I had was, you know to do that, we will have to do things differently, right? 
everybody always wants different results, but typically they want them from doing the exact same things. Right? Like, I just magically want to start losing weight, but not change how I eat, sleep, or work out. Find me that diet where I can keep eating bad, keep not sleeping enough, and not working out, but drop 30 pounds. That's what I want. We want change, but we don't want what creates it. And so often what we've got to realize is when God's going to reshape you into the person that you need to become, moments of pressure are going to be applied. That's what makes you become something different. And so even here, what Peter's pointing out to us, brothers and sisters, don't forget, your hope in Christ's salvation, you only have that hope because of the death that he had to go through. We can't say we have all this hope in salvation and ignore that only happened because of the crucifixion that he went through. Those two things are linked. You cannot pull them apart. And so he's reminding them that the good comes with the bad. That is the nature of life. Look at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of this grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. And so what I want you to get from that is, is you look at what Peter's saying is, he's saying, ultimately, suffering removes distractions. I really want you to take this one to heart because listen to it. This, this is truly the gift of suffering. Suffering removes the distractions. Like I'll give you a very simple ex uh, example of this in my life. I actually appreciate when my sports teams are bad. Do you know why? I have a tendency as a fan that like if the Bulls are doing really good to get a little too caught up in it. To care a little bit too much about the games care a little bit too much about what's happening with that group of individuals. And I start to forget that, you know what? That's a bunch of people I don't know putting a leather ball into a metal circle. There's really no eternal value there. But you know what happens when they're bad? I don't really care. Don't care if I missed the game. Don't care what the score was. Don't care who got traded. You know, none of that stuff resonates with me because it just isn't significant. Brothers and sisters, on a much larger scale, that's what happens in times of suffering. You and I, when things are good, you know what? We focus on the wrong things. It's just the nature of us. Human beings lean towards sin. And when things are good and happy and easy and comfortable, most of us are on our best. What happens in the times of suffering is you and I hold on to what really matters. 
It's in the times of suffering that we almost watch those impurities kind of burn off and no longer be the focus. Like how many of you have seen this in your life with friendships? Do you have those friends in your life that you know when the times get tough, they're gone? Right? There's those people that they only want to be around when there's a party or a celebration or good things to go. But man, you start hitting a rough patch in your life and they are gone. But who sticks by you? The ones that really love you. The ones that really have your back. You watch this in America. When do churches fill up? When do people come back to the throne of God? When do people worship? Is it when everything is great in the country? No, it's when we have unbelievable moments of darkness hit that people fall to their knees and go, I need God. And so what we sometimes need to realize is, is that for some of us, that thorn in your side, that suffering you're going through, it may actually be the most gracious thing God has ever given you. Because what he might know about you is, is that you're the type, if you didn't have it, you'd forget about him. If you didn't have it, you'd stop falling at his feet every morning. You'd stop digging into his word for strength and for purpose and for wisdom. You'd stop praying. You'd stop serving. You'd stop focusing on everything that he's trying to say because you'd start to believe in your heart. I don't need help. I got this. God, I'm good. And so some of us, the very things that we think are the worst thing that's ever happened to us may actually be the very biggest blessing we've ever faced. Because without that thing there, we wouldn't be reliant on him each and every day of our lives. And I encourage you, look back at your own life. I guarantee there are moments where the very best things that have ever happened to you actually happened in moments where if in that time I talked to you, you would have been like, this is the worst time of my life. I'll be real with you. After high school, um, I was set up to go to Colorado University. We lived in Colorado. Um, and, and I was so excited. I lived in a couple places in Colorado. My best friends from both high schools were going to go to CU with me. Um, I already picked out my classes. Um, there, there was a girl I liked that was going to go to school with me. I was like, you know what? I think I'm finally wearing her down. She might actually go out with me now. You know, especially because the guy she liked was moving to a different school. Everything was set up. I had a job. I was teaching Taekwondo. Like, if you just asked me, like, have you got the roadmap built? I'd be like, yes. Perfect. And all of a sudden, my dad loses his job. The family hits unbelievable financial hardship. And I wake up two weeks later. I mean, literally, like, I was about to go buy books. Two weeks later, I'm in Michigan working in a waffle iron factory. That's right, a waffle fi iron factory. You didn't even know it existed, did you? <laughs> and I remember that nine months of my life thinking, God, what are you doing? For so long, I worked. I worked so hard in high school. I worked so hard on my grades. I worked so hard to get to that place. And everything was there. Everything I dreamed of, everything I wanted was right there. And now what? What are you doing? I remember having these conversations with them. They were like, what, <laughs> what are you doing right now? This can't be the plan. It was during that nine months 
that I started realizing that maybe my purpose wasn't what I thought it had been and that maybe God was calling me to be a pastor. And I can tell you this. If I hadn't had enough of that suffering and pain in my life, I think the, the pleasant things I had put in my life would have distracted me long enough. I might have missed it for a while. I think at some point he would have pulled me back. I think at some point he would have got me back on track. But I don't think it would have been like it happened. All those things that I thought were bad actually turned out to be one of the best times of my life. But I can only see that now. In the moment, I thought it was terrible. In the moment, I thought my dreams had come crashing down. In my moment, I thought years and years of work had been flushed down the toilet. But God had something better planned. I just couldn't see it. And I know that that experience that I described to you, for some of you, the suffering you're experiencing, that's not even on the same spectrum. Yours is of a greater magnitude and a greater pain. But the God of miracles is the God who continually makes dark days bright. It's what he does. And often, what suffering does for us is it pulls us right back to him. Right back to him. Hey, Justin, can you advance the screen for me? I'm running out of batteries up here. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What's James saying? Be joyous in these moments. Don't be somber. Don't be sad. Don't beg for them to be over. Actually have joy in your heart because you know in these moments God's shaping you. God is doing his work. And so brothers and sisters, this comes back to the question we asked in Exodus. Are you here to have God be your servant or are you here to be his? If you are expecting God to serve you, then suffering stinks. Because then you're just confused. You're like, I have this almighty servant who can apparently do everything and he's just not coming through. But if you're sitting there going, my goal in life is to be an instrument in the hands of God. My goal in life is to be used by him to build his kingdom in any way he sees fit. My goal in life is not to be great me, but to be part of what he is doing. Then what you realize is, is in times of suffering, he's using you for work. And you actually take joy in that because you know of all the instruments he could pick, he's picked you up. And he has purpose in you right now. And so because of that, there's joy that we are part of what God is trying to accomplish. That's why, brothers and sisters, what I need you taken away from this series is not a, a few verses you read to give you comfort, but really for you to sit down and ask yourself, how do you view the world? How do you view your life? What are you pursuing? Because it's only by completely changing that mindset away from the culture of this world do you start to approach suffering in a completely indifferent way. Look at verse 12. It says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. And these things which have now been announced to you 
through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Justin, let me go to the next slide for me. Remembering suffering, your future glory outweighs your present pain. It's hard to think about this sometimes, right? Because it just seems like there's no way life could ever be more than what we're experiencing now. But one of my favorite pastors always says, like, do you realize you will be with God in paradise, in heaven, with no pain, no suffering, no hurt, for 300 trillion years? Do you realize in the context of that how small 100 years is? And it's funny because the younger I was, the harder it was to really feel that way. The older I get, the faster time goes. I was watching the sports center the other day and they were talking about how uh, we're going to get the World Cup in 2026. And I was sitting there and I'm like, like when I hear 2026, I feel like I shouldn't even be alive then. Like that sounds like some future space age time that like, you know, not 2026. I mean, come on, right? How, that's so far, no, it's eight years away. That's it. But time just goes. It just goes. I swear, I, I look away from my children and look back and they're like, it's like, when did you become a little person? When did that happen? And every year it just speeds up. I mean, you know what's really scary for me? I've gotten to the age where I remember my parents at this age. I, I, I have firm memories of my parents being this old. And I'm like, wow, from the moment that, from that time and moment to now, I have that same gap waiting for me and it's going to go by like that. This temporary earth we're on, it's short. And so God's perspective often is, brothers and sisters, I will do what is necessary in this temporary moment to get you to where I need you to be for eternity. I will do what I need to do in this moment to get you to eternity. And you know what? It makes sense. That's love. If you have children, don't you do that all the time? I hate disciplining my kids, but why do I do it? Because I have a vision of what I want them to be one day. And I know if I don't address what's happening right now, they won't be that. So I have to bring some pain. I have to bring some suffering. I have to bring some hurt. So that in this moment, they change course and they end up being who God has them designed to be. He's doing the same with us. He's doing the exact same thing with us. In Romans 8.18 it says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Brothers and sisters, what Satan makes you do is he makes you lose perspective. He makes you lose perspective. I'll be honest, the church keeps me real all the time. 
because there will be moments in my life where I'm like, this was a bad day. And then I'll see what's happening to a brother or sister in the flock and be like, you fool. <laughs> you were complaining about that? You, you were complaining about what? Like this week, I'll be honest, on Friday, we, I have a project I've worked on for almost two years. Two years. Uh, and not just me, but like 20 people at work. Two years. Every day. Got killed. Never going to see the light of day. Dead in the water. Two years of work, two years of missed time with family, two years of hard, hard labor to get it done. And it will never amount to anything. I was a little bummed out. I was a little bummed out about that. And then I come here with my angst and hear about what Sylvia is going through and go, you fool. Who cares about some project that no one will ever remember? Have some perspective. Have some perspective on what's really happening out there and realizing you're not the center of the universe. There's other people experiencing things. And oh, by the way, your God has something laid aside for you that is so glorious, so beautiful, so amazing that you never deserved. And you will one day have it in complete fullness. What are you complaining about? You know, often we're just like my little kids. We're just like those little kids, right, who get the toy and it's like, they have all these things in the world, but one little thing doesn't work and it's like the end of the world. And you want to look at them and be like, of all the things you have, that's what you're going to complain about right now. Do you not even realize how blessed you were that you got that? How often do you think God's looking at us doing the same thing? I've died for you. I will resurrect you. I have forgiven you of your sins. I have called you my children. I have built you a home in paradise. And one day you will sit beside me in complete and eternal bliss. And you're upset because of what? Step out of it. Look up and realize that you have so much waiting for you that outweighs this little pain. Have perspective. The reason you and I really shouldn't get worried about suffering is we already know how it ends. We already know how it ends. Like if we actually had fear that we might lose, then it makes sense for suffering to be a terrible thing for us. But we're not going to lose. Not where it really matters. If we really are the children of God, if what really matters to us is that we have a relationship with Him, that our souls are in His hands, that we will have love and purpose and peace, that we will be continually in intimacy with Him, that's not going to change. And not because of who you are, but because of who He is. I mean, I'm so glad of this because I'm a pushover in a lot of places in my life. So I'm glad to know that when it comes to my eternal resting place, when it comes to my eternal re relationship with God, it's not in these hands. It's in His. So good luck going to try to pry it out of His hands because you ain't going to get that. I already know in the darkest, ugliest, muddiest fights of my life, I win. Because God takes care of it. 
So the only reason suffering should ever bring us true pain is if we actually don't believe he's going to bring us victory. Look at verse 17. The address as a father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him, are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for, for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from this heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. What's he saying? He's saying... You are can't be killed. The world can do its worst, and it can't take from you what really matters. You're invincible because the hands of God hold you and protect you. And so, brothers and sisters, what we have to remember in these times of hurt and pain, they are temporary. He will win. There is that victory in Jesus. The only people who fear are the ones who walk through the flames without him. That's why he tells us in Psalm 23, though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will not fear, for your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare for me in the presence of my enemies a table, and my cup overflows. The beauty of walking with God, you get that I mean, that imagery. I can be in the valley of death, surrounded by my enemies. And because God's there, I can sit down and eat dinner. Because I'm not afraid. I'm not shaking in some hole terrified. I know he's got me. I know he's got me. We have to face suffering differently. Because we know he's got it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, that we get to call you Father. May we never forget what you've done for us. Father, in all the times of suffering, may we keep proper perspective of one, what you've done, what you've given, and what you promise us in this future. And two, Father, that you're by our side. And frankly, Lord, I'd rather go through the gates of hell by your side than be on the most beautiful place in this world without you. Father, I pray that you'll be with this church family. And that, Father, as many of us are standing in that valley of shadow of death, that we will look to you and see that you are our shepherd. That we, Father, will stop trying to fight the wolves off ourselves and that we will let you, Father, your rod and your staff. Father, we know that in the end, no matter how
how long it takes, no matter how much we go through, that there will be victory in you. Father, we thank you for these moments. These moments that truly are a gift, for they draw us clear, closer to you. We love you, and in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to just stand with us and pray. Uh, Maria is going to lead us in a song, and in a couple minutes we're going to go ahead and uh, take the Lord's Supper. While we're praying, I'm going to ask uh, Brother James to be at the back. And if there's just anything on your heart you want somebody else praying about, you feel free to come forward or go to the back, and we'll be glad to pray with you.
chapter 11, verse 23, it talks about the Lord's Supper, which is what we're about to partake in. And as we take the Lord's Supper, we remember this isn't simply bread and juice. This is us proclaiming the death and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says in God's word, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so, brothers and sisters, what Paul encourages us is to remember that as we take this, we need to be spiritually prepared. That means, one, if there is any sin in our hearts that we haven't laid at his feet and asked for forgiveness, we should do that first before we partake in the Lord's Supper. And second, if there's any brothers or sisters in Christ that we have not yet extended our love and our forgiveness to that have been asking for it, that we should do that first before we take the Lord's Supper. And so I ask you, folks, as we uh, pray over this, we pray to your Father and you make sure that you're spiritually prepared to proclaim him as your Lord and Supper. Our Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask those folks who are coming up to help serve that they go ahead and make their way to the front. And I'm going to go ahead and pray over the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, as we take this bread, may we remember that this represents your body, Lord. The body that you were willing, Lord, to sacrifice for us. Not because we deserved it. Because that you, Father, are love. Father, in the times of suffering in our lives, May we remember that it was you who could take this broken body and rise it again. That it's you, Father, that can take the darkest day and make them bright. That it's you, Father, that have turned those moments in despair into our greatest moments of hope and victory. Father, bless this and bless those who take it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Mark chapter 14, verse 22, it says, While they were eating it, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, Take it. This is my body. As a family, let us eat. It then says, And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. Dearly Father, we ask you to be with this cup, Lord. To bless those who partake in it, Lord, that they will remember the blood that has washed them clean. And Father, because of your sacrifice, we no longer need to walk around with shame and guilt. Because you, Father, have paid the debt for us. Father, take that weight off our shoulders and allow us to run free. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. tells us in the story of the Last Supper that after they'd eaten the bread and drinking the wine, that they sang a hymn. And so Sister Maria is going to come up and close us out here. Well, it's only fitting after today's message that we should stand and we should sing the chorus of victory in Jesus. Let's stand. <clears throat> oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. 
Ye sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. God's people said? Yeah. All right. I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. Remember, you got a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline, and you've been given a mission to go make disciples that love God, love people, and follow Jesus. So go do it. I'll see you guys next week. Watching the nightly news Don't seem to find the rhythm Just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never Stops Feels like it's never gonna Gotta get that fire fire Back in my bones Before my hard heart Turns into stone So won't somebody please Pass the megaphone I'll shout it on the count of three Joy, joy, joy down in my heart